You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Awesome to uh, worship the Lord with you. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're glad that you have chosen to ex- uh, to come and worship with this expression of His body, and uh, we're just glad to hear you, have you here, and you just make yourself at home, because I know He wants to, to speak to you. Um, just a little reminder, I think there might have been some um, uh, question about when the... Um, uh, when the Connect class was going to be, so that's going to be next Sunday after church. Uh, if you're new here, or if you've been here really for the last, last couple of months, um, it's just a great way to learn a little bit more about us, a little bit about our history, a little bit about our leadership, um, and how you can become a part of what uh, God is doing here. So uh, we'll serve a light lunch, um, and uh, that'll be right after church, uh, about 1 o'clock uh, next week. So please... Um, make uh, make plans to be here for that all right so we're going to uh, just share a message this morning um, on uh, it's a another one of my one-off um, standalone messages not part of a series or anything like that <coughs> we will be looking at starting a series um, in the next couple of weeks um, that'll lead us up toward Easter but today we're just going to talk about um, just the subject of uh, perseverance and again, this comes from uh, just my personal time with the Lord. Actually, most of these standalone messages have been uh, messages that um, start as a seed or a, um, something that the Lord's speaking to me. In fact, I had something um, that I wanted to share um, this past week, um, just a little insight, little moment of uh, transparency here, um, that I had um, thought about sharing and uh, was praying about it and kind of getting some thoughts together on it and everything. And the Lord pointed out to me uh, that he really wanted to work that into my heart. That he didn't want me talking to you about it. Um, so I'm sure you'll hear about, hear about it in the future. Uh, but there's a lot more work to do uh, there. So, But these are things that um, as I've been studying the word and just in my regular time with the Lord. You know how that is in your regular time with the Lord, is that He has something for you every single day. If you're faithful, you know, to show up, and if you're faithful to have your heart in the right place and be open uh, and not presumptuous, um, every single day that you come to the Lord, He's got something for you. Sometimes it's just like a little nugget. Sometimes it's like a a word um, that you've heard before that sort of kind of goes off in your heart. Um, Sometimes it's some really big stuff. Sometimes it's like, you just know that God is telling you, I'm changing direction here. Um, and this is not going to be, you know, like a, a, a 40 or 30 degree turn. This is going to be like a 90 or a 180. Um, and, but most of the time, it's just like little stuff that he speaks to us, um, that he gives us direction, that he gives us encouragement and things like that. And this is one of those things that he spoke to me um, that I kind of think I should have uh, sort of not necessarily a corner on the market, but at least some understanding of uh, what perseverance means. I mean, I mean I've been a Christian for uh, 40 years uh, coming up this year. Actually, late this year um, was uh, sort of the anniversary of when we first really came to the Lord. Not that I didn't know God before that, 
Uh, I just didn't know him in the right way. I didn't know him as Lord. I knew him as God or that he existed or something like that, but I didn't really know him as my personal, you know, personal Savior, personal Lord, personal authority in my life. Um, and that's coming up on uh, 40 years. So it was in 1979 um, when, that, uh, when that happened for me. Um, and during that time, I've seen some people fall away from the Lord. I've, I've seen some people, even some people that came to know the Lord at the same time that I did, I've seen their faith uh, grow cold, and I've seen them uh, wind up, um, you know, in the ditch. And, um, and I'm not saying anything about myself. It's certainly not a, a testimony to my stick to it it's a, it's a testimony to the faithfulness and the grace of God uh, and how persistent he's been and how good he's been to me. Um, I've also been married for uh, 40 years this past year. Um, and again, we came to know the Lord really before we, I mean, I mean we came to know the Lord together after um, we, um, uh, we got married. Um, and it was a lot of the stuff that we were going to, through together that brought us to the Lord together. Um, but again, 40 years of marriage, like if somebody says, what's, what's a lesson that we can learn from 40 years, you know, of marriage? I mean, how, what's the secret? To 40 years of marriage, it's begging God, man, is what it is. It's just like begging God over and over again. It's like coming to the end of yourself and just instead of giving up, uh, even really when you're to the point of giving up, still giving God the opportunity to do what only God can do. Um, so I don't know if that's a great, you know, I don't think I could write a book about that. Uh, maybe I could. Um, but that's, that's the key, and that's another, you know, example of longevity, that I look around me and I see so many uh, marriages that have wound up um, not surviving. Um, we're about to do a, a wedding in a few short uh, weeks here with um, Bethany and David, and, uh, you know, hope springs eternal. Like, when I look at young people like this, I hope that they look forward with hope, and I hope that they're able to look at other couples like us, um, and they can say, you know, that there is a reason to hope, there is a reason to believe that when I stand there and make these promises that I so dearly desire and hope will be true, that there is a reason to believe that that can happen and it can be a lifelong, you know, it can be the best decision. It's really, getting married was the best decision that I ever made. Uh, knowing Jesus was the best decision that I ever made. Um, having kids was the best decision that I ever made. And every one of those things was like way beyond me when I made made the decision um, but marriage is another one and then another one is the fact that we've been here um, at TCF since that time that we gave our heart to the Lord um, and that's another you know 40 years of longevity and again I look around and I see so many people um, that uh, that come and go in in church in uh, in the body of Christ in their express they find an expression of the body of Christ and it works for a while and then they quit or they peter out, or they get tired, or they, you know, they, uh, they end up not, not following through on it. And I'm not saying 40 years at a church is necessarily ideal, you know. There are some other aspects of it that I wish I, wish I could have experienced, and I hope that, in, you, know, uh, it, you know, if God gives me grace, that I might be able to um, just be able to experience other expressions of the body of Christ. Here in the United States, here in Tyler, but also foreign 
um, expressions of the body of Christ because there's a real benefit to that. And some of you guys have some great experiences with other expressions of the body of Christ that makes you really good members um, here. But what I'm saying is, is that especially among um, evangelical, um, especially charismatic Christians, it's really difficult to find people who can stick with something, you know? I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of people that are able to do that, but there's also a lot of people that never seem to get perseverance. They never seem to understand, you know, how to stick with something, how to, how to work your way through something. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, subject is perseverance. The key scripture is from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So let's not get tired. I like this. This is the New Living, I think, uh, translation. Good thing about all these translations is, is that a lot of them give you kind of a little different nuance, you know, to, to what the word means. Um, some of them are not reliable, but, but most of them, most of the mainstream um, uh, uh, translations that you can find um, are good for this because they give you a little bit of a nuance of it. And I like this because it just sounds like something that we would say to each other. Let's don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So, the first, so there's two parts to this. There's an exhortation. Let's don't get tired of, what, of doing what is good. And then there's a promise at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So let's talk about the exhortation uh, to begin with. Let's don't get tired of doing um, what, is, what is good. You know, there's a lot of things that we believe, that we think are convictions, but like when, it, when the pressure comes on and when it actually, you know, and the pressure, I mean, like in the moment, sometimes we're persecuted, sometimes we're pushed to the wall, Sometimes we just, you know, get tired, um, and sometimes it just takes time, man. It's just like it takes over, you know, a period of time. I can be faithful for a day or a week or a month, you know, but what does what my New Year's resolution look like in June? You know, is it even remembered in June, right? And, and sometimes we, we start with it, you know, great guns and great enthusiasm and great determination, but it just does not last, um, and... I submit to you that that means that that was just an idea or that was just a preference or it might even just have been a belief, but it's not a conviction. A conviction is something that you'll die for. A conviction is something that you will, you, you cannot survive, you cannot live this life um, knowing that you have not stayed true to that, to what that is. That is, it's, a, it's like a defining moment of your life. I, I was raised by a woman um, who had um, steel in her backbone, man, and there was just something she could not live on the earth with um, in, in me. Like, she would not put up with it, you know. And, it, it like, it, I put her through a lot of uh, grief. I, I wasn't trying to be a bad kid, I promise you. And if you have a kid that seems like they're trying to be a bad kid right now, just let me appeal to you on behalf of them. Maybe they're not being bad. Maybe they just have a really hard time doing what you're telling them to do, you know? Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they don't want to do what's bad. Maybe they just find doing what's right something that's really hard, and they need you to help them hold the line. And so you find yourself doing a really, really hard 
you know, and difficult job. But the thing is with my mom is that it's not, I mean, you know, if I told a lie, it was a big deal to her. It was always going to be a big deal. She was always going to go to the carpet on the thing. She was never going to stand idly by and say, oh, well, you just told a fib. or a, she, never, she didn't have any concept of what a white lie was. I mean, if you were lying, you were lying, you know? And it just went down into the depths of her being. You know, even when my kids were grandkids, and she loved my grandkids with all, the, all of her heart, there were certain things that she would never, she could not live and put up with. Saying no to her, talking back to her. She, she, I mean, somebody's going to die, you know? <laughs> and it very likely could be me, you know? But if it's not me, it's going to be her because she cannot coexist. She can't peacefully coexist with, with a child sassing a, a parent. Um, saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Yes, sir, and no, sir. These are conventions, you know, that we don't even pay very much attention to nowadays. I don't know. I don't think so. I think my, my um, kids um, are holding the line pretty good with that with their kids. Um, but to show respect uh, and to show um, um, the, the proper uh, way of referring to people and referencing to, to people, I mean, it was just something that my mom, you know, it was part of her. And all I'm saying is it was not a preference. It was not a belief. It was a conviction. And she's passing on those convictions um, to us. And I think that that's what parents do. They pass on their convictions, not just what they say they believe, but what they're actually going to go to the carpet for. Um, life is long, and there are many examples of things starting out well and ended up going nowhere. And I think that the things of God are eternal in nature and that we are temporary in nature and that we are mortal, and we are, as mortal, we are uh, really, our power is limited, and our scope is limited, our understanding is limited, but the things that we receive from God are eternal in nature, and as he works those things into us, they become something that lasts through the good times, and the bad times, and the hard times, and the easy times, and the ups, and the downs, from the, from the mountaintops to the, to the valley experiences, the Word of God is going to stand. But see, what He's doing is He's working that into mortal people. And the way that He's working that into mortal people is He's making us persistent. He's making us able to last through difficulties. And He's not sparing us from those things, but He's in delivering us through those things um, in order to do that. And now, there's a couple of, things, a couple of different things to uh, exhortation. Sorry, I should know this. Um, this is the, the part of it. There's two parts to, um, to, exor to, to, um, uh, to the exhortation, to perseverance. Um, the first is internal, and then the second is external. So let's talk about the internal part. What makes us persevere? Like what internally do we possess that causes us to persevere? So I'll tell you one thing, and some of you guys have had some face-to-face -face experience with this, and this is strong-willed people. Strong-willed people persevere. Say amen. amen. Right? If, you ever, if you've ever parented a strong-willed child, you know that when, from the time you get up in the morning sometimes until the time you go to bed at night, you're going to be dealing with something. Right? Because they won't drop it. They won't let it go. They have to have something. Right? 
Um, before I had kids, I had a lot of theories about raising kids. And as I said, I think I was raised by, in, in, in many ways, I was raised in a very good environment, um, and we didn't play this strong-willed thing. It wasn't like, my mom would never have even known the concept of a strong-willed child, because she was the strong-willed one, right? And, and so, whatever you are, you were going you, you to conform to that. But, and I was, I was raised that way, and before I had kids, before I actually had to put it on the line, I thought I knew a lot about raising kids, right? And so, um, one of Becky's sisters, um, her youngest sister, um, was, you know what precocious means? Precocious means that they are capable of doing some things that just don't seem like somebody their age was, would be able to do. She was precocious, and she was strong, willed. And I didn't believe that. I didn't believe that she was. I just believed she needed um, discipline. She needed somebody to stand up to her. And um, so um, her mom and dad um, went out of town one time and uh, asked us if we would keep her sister. We would keep um, Jennifer, Jen Booth. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, sure, we'll keep, you know, we'll keep her. And so uh, we kept her, I think we kept her for a whole week. And by the second day, I had found out what a strong-willed child was. Because, again, from the time she got up in the morning until the time she got, went to bed at night, she had things that she was going to do. And if I was going to stand in the way, I had better have some backbone. And I thought I did, but then I also found out the second part of that is that you just get tired holding the line, you know? And she never got tired. She never did. She, she needed to know why for everything. She, and it's not like she was necessarily saying no, but she was going to say no if she didn't agree with the why. So she needed, an, she needed a reason for everything. She needed to, and, and everything that you just thought would be just such a little easy thing to do, like eating breakfast, you know, what are we eating for breakfast um, you know, what are, where are we going, you know, a, 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 this afternoon? Um, I won't even get into taking a nap, okay? Um, it's just like, it's almost like telling a child you're going to put them to death when it's time to, to take a nap, you know? I wish somebody would tell me to take a nap, and, you know? <laughs> and... But she, she was not, it was like not. And like you would go in, you'd, you'd finally get her in the bed, and you'd come in later. We didn't have like these monitor cameras, but if you did, it would be all over YouTube now because she would be in the, uh, the baby bed, and you would come out, and you would find her some up, like in the closet or under the bed. There's no telling where you would find her. Anyway, by the end of the week, you know, I was ready to pull my hair out. And uh, I believed in the strong-willed uh, the concept of the strong-willed child. And uh, when her mom and dad came, Becky's parents came to pick her up, um, I told her dad, I was just trying to be, like, diplomatic, you know? I was just trying to be complimentary and, you know, and all of that. And I told him how much we just really appreciated being able to watch Jennifer, you know, all week. And he said, yeah, she's just a little ray of sunshine. <laughs> and I think he meant it. Like, he thought he was doing me a favor by letting me watch her, you know, all week long. And that's just because he was oblivious to what was going on at his house, too. So, um, There are strong-willed kids. And the good thing about it is, I mean, I, I'm, you're looking at an example of that. Um, when I had um, VBS a couple of years ago, 
for some reason, they gave me like the older aged, you know, strong-willed boys. Like they, like he's raised five boys, you know, he, he, that he's the right one to do for that. And it was just miserable for everybody. It was miserable for me and miserable, you know, for them uh, as well. Um, but at one point we were talking, I couldn't get him focused in the right direction. I couldn't get him from, you know, cutting up and making bodily function noises and, you know, we just could not seem to, like, focus on, you know, the, the VBS stuff, you know. And I finally sat him down and I looked at him and I said, look, do you know what's going to happen if you keep doing this? If you grow up acting like this, do you know what you're going to wind up being? You're going to be a pastor. That's what you're going to be. Is that what you want? Then you better change now. All I'm saying is, it's tough. Parents, if you're dealing with this right now, don't get tired of doing what is right because you will reap, in the end, you will reap a reward. Um, and there are plenty of times when you just feel like you wonder if it's, if it's actually working and if it's actually worth it. Um, I would say that to parents. I would say that to people who are in difficult, challenging marriages. Um, some of the best marriages go through some, some really tough times. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's like really hard sometimes to, to determine whether it's worth it, especially when you look around you and you see so many failing and so many people walking away and so many people quitting and you just wonder, is it worth it to, to stick with it? Um, maybe you're dealing with an addiction or a, 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 some, kind of, a, some other kind of bondage um, and sometimes you just wonder, is it worth even making the attempt. I've tried so many times, and I don't know whether it's worth the attempt. Listen, don't get tired of doing what is right, okay? Don't get tired of doing what is right. When it comes down to it, there's a promise that's attached to this, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, one of the things that we're teaching um, kids is we're teaching to them to behave themselves. I didn't know what have was when I was growing up, but I was always told to be that. And I'm not sure what it was, but I knew that I wasn't being that. I, wish, I was trying to behave, and I didn't know what have was, right? Um, that's what we're trying to do, is we're trying to teach kids to behave. And, the, and the, the thing is, is that you can look in the lives of grown-ups, and you can tell whether anybody ever taught them to behave, right? Because they don't have a mom or a dad anymore that's standing over them telling them to behave, but you can still see that they have such a difficult time behaving. So they go to the doctor, and the doctor says, you got to stop eating so much bluebell, it's going to kill you. And they go home. Have they been taught how to behave themselves around the ice cream, you know? Um, to, uh, you, you know people in, uh, maybe in your office or the place that you work, and they just don't know how to to, to do what's the right thing to do. It just seems like the most, the hardest thing on earth for them. And that's because if they have never been really taught to behave, to do what's right. And listen, your Heavenly Father is really good at teaching us these kinds of lessons. He uses your mom and dad, if you have good mo a good mom and dad. He uses your friends. He uses your pastor. He uses people in your life to do this, but look, the goal of the instruction is for you to learn how to take care of it yourself. Let us, it says, 
not get tired of doing what is good. Let us, let, this is a decision that I make. This is something that I do, not something that's put on me. A parent's job is to teach a child to behave until that child can, t- can teach himself to behave. And when, when he doesn't have to have oversight, and he doesn't have to have somebody over him all the time and holding him accountable and, and, uh, and disciplining him. And is that not right? It's an internal thing. He wants to internalize this stuff with us. Um, people who learn to behave themselves have great advantage over people who can't. Personally, um, financially, socially, in so many different ways, we learn how to do these things and we benefit from it for the rest of our lives in ways that we don't even know. You want a child to learn to bear the burden of controlling themselves, to, um, to follow um, her own convictions, her own values, her own commitments. Um, the Bible says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I thought as a child, and I acted as a child. What is that when you're a child? Well, sometimes it's just like going through the motions. Sometimes it's doing things in obedience. But when I became a man, it says I put away childish things. And my motivation has changed. And the reason why I'm doing things is because it's based on conviction. It's not just based on preference, but it's based on conviction. And the process of getting it from being something that I believe to something that I'm convinced of or something that convicts me is a process that the Holy Spirit works us through in trials and, and, uh, and uh, difficulties that he brings us through. And then the next part of the, uh, uh, of the um, uh, aspect of uh, perseverance um, is an external factor. He says, let us. And this is so true of so many things in Scripture. For instance, when, when they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you know, teach us to pray. They, in one place it says, teach us to pray. Another one says, teach us how to pray. And he says, when you pray, say what? Our. See? It's like the first word is plural. It's in community. And this is, this is also something that happens in community. Perseverance happens as a result of a healthy community. It's not just one individual with a, you know, a, a determination to do what's right, but it's a group of people who together band together and say, these are our values, this is what we believe, this is what we do. And we encourage one another to go after God and to stand in the day of adversity and when things are really difficult. It's a, it's a, a community thing that, that we do together. Let us, perseverance comes from the power of community. It's an individual trait that is nurtured and refined in community. One of the things that I've always appreciated about TCF is just the level of commitment of, on, in, the, in the area of the rank and file. Now, I, I have, this is the only church that I've known beside um, the Catholic Church, um, but I have m- much experience with other aspects of the body of Christ. And some of the things that I hear just consistently is how difficult it is to get people to actually work, like to, to actually do you know, jobs and stuff like that, and that, you know, it's so hard. Many churches have to hire people to do most of the work that goes on. 
And yet at TCF, through the years, over the 40 years that I've been here, I've seen an incredible number of people who take, take it personally, who, who personally take it as a, um, as a personal um, burden and responsibility to serve the body of Christ. In fact, if you want to look at uh, maturity in the body of Christ, that's a mark of maturity. It's people who are, who are self-motivated, who don't need to be pumped up. And you guys don't respond good to being pumped up anyway. Let me say that. And I say that to your credit, okay? Like if I'm trying to get you, you know, pumped up, you're, you're just like really, you know, reluctant. You'll stare at me. Um, and no, no work will get done. But if I, if I point you in the direction of saying, here's a need or something that's that, you, it, you, will be, you would be amazed at how quickly people respond um, to that. And that's a mark of maturity, is people who take it as a personal responsibility, not out of obligation, but out of conviction, because you love and that you want to. And not only that, I mean, um, Linda, she, I know she hates to be uh, singled out, um, so that's why I do it rarely, but when I do, like, um, how long have you been teaching um, Sunday school? Probably close to 40 years, 30, at least 30-something, right? Haven't you? you? You guys have been here for that long, and I know you've been doing it for that long, right? Huh? You're late? Yeah. Yeah, some of the, some of the most precious um, pictures, looking at some old pictures of TCF, or looking at some of the people that have come through her um, uh, Sunday school class. And, um, and if you went in there today, it's different. It's, she's changing and she's adapting and all of that. But there's some aspects of that that is just consistent. That we've had um, kids go through there and then we've had their kids go through there. And if we stick around for very long, it, it won't be long before we'll have some grandkids um, going through Miss um, Linda's Sunday school class. What a blessing that is. What a blessing. How could, how could you possibly sit down with a pen and paper and say, now we're going to develop this at, in, a, um, in, an, in a, an expression of the body of Christ? How do you develop that? You develop it by developing faithfulness in the people. And when you have faithfulness in the people, then you'll have many, many examples of long-term perseverance, people that stick with it and people that stay with it through the years. And I'm, all I'm doing today is just honoring that. I'm certainly not taking responsibility for that. I have benefited from that. I have seen what it means for somebody to take it as just a lifestyle and a life to serve the body of Christ and to serve this body um, as a result of that. When you first become a Christian, you often do things simply because other Christians around you suggest uh, them or model them. Um, and that's like when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and, I, and we, a lot of times we do things, and, and a lot of times in the families that we're raised in, we just do things because that's the way we do things. But when I became a man, when I become a grown-up, when I become mature, then I stop and think about why am I doing what I'm doing, and I do it out of conviction, not out of just like... Um, just taking it for granted or just um, out of somebody else's example. I stop and I think, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I do it that way. And then when that becomes a part of me, everything else can change. And I don't change. 
All my circumstances can change, and even some people that I put a lot of trust in and that I really had a lot of faith in, when they fail and when they fall. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You know what it does to you? It's very disorienting. Because you step back from that and you say, I've learned so much from this person. Is all the rest of it baloney too? Because they haven't stayed true to this. They've taught this and they've walked this and they've said this is what they believe and then come to find out when in the right situation and in the right way, they, they walk away from it. They, they, it, it, was just, it was just a show. And you know what that does? That makes you stop and look at yourself and you say, what am I doing that's out of my own conviction, not out of um, you know, somebody else, you know, peer pressure or something else? What am I doing that I know is the right thing to do, that I will live a lifestyle in that way. We come to the Lord, we start praying, we start reading the Bible, we start going to church, and that's fine for a time. It, and it should be a part of a regular, healthy expression of the body of Christ, that when somebody comes in, they can find this, this uh, common good, this common um, value that, that the body has. But everybody has to come to that place where it's their own. Why am I getting up on Sunday morning and coming to worship with God's people? And does that stick, does that reason why I'm doing that, does that work even when everything's going wrong for me? Does it only work when everything is going right for me? Or is it only so I can see my friends? What if my friends aren't going to be there? That's when it comes down to, is it a conviction for me? Why do I read the Word of God? Is it out of obligation? Or is it something that over, over the years, as I was describing to you earlier, I get up and God speaks to me and He has something specific to say to me. And it becomes a, a, not just a, um, a habit, but it becomes a life. It's, it's like life. It's like breathing. And it's like eating. It's like I, I do it because I, because I know that it's the right thing to do. It becomes a conviction um, to me. In the same way with serving. Um, Every valuable and true godly quality that you possess will be tested. Amen? So we all think that like the big thing is just get to the point of making a decision and make that decision and then everything is going to be fine after that. No, that's when all hell breaks loose a lot of times, right? It's because once you have made that decision, and listen to me, I want you to understand this, God is behind this. If you think it's people that are the complication in your life, you still got some learning to do because it's God that tests us and it's God that proves us. Not because He wants us to fail, but because He wants to prove to us what is really the gold that's in there. He really wants us to. We come to Him and we say, I've got all of this gold and I'm so, you know, this, this, all this great stuff that's going on. And He says, Really? Let me take a look at that. And he takes a look at it and he starts to be pulling things out and tearing things out. And when he gets down to it, you don't have a whole bushel full. You've got a thimble full, but what you have a thimble full of is gold, is the real deal. And it's worth all that other dross. And it's worth all that other stuff that you thought was valuable and that you thought was true. When it came down to it, out of his mercy and out of his grace, he shook it and he tried it. And he tested it. And he refined it. And what was left was gold. These three, three things remain. 
faith, hope, and love. And that's not of you guys. That's of Him. And those things will remain. He can test. He can prove. He can try. He can, he can uh, refine. He can do everything He can. And those three things are going to remain. You will have faith in your life. Don't despair. You will have hope that doesn't pass away. That's not moment to moment. And you will have the pure love that comes from God through you to others you will have those things. Those things are going to remain. And that's what his whole testing process is about. I worked for, uh, again, I worked for dad, uh, for um, Becky's dad when I was in high school. And uh, I had a series of people that I worked for that I always thought I needed a dad. And I really didn't, I had a good dad. I, my problem wasn't that I didn't have a good dad, but that's what they kind of thought. So he was trying to be like a good dad to us. And uh, he had us um, setting fence posts. Has anybody ever like had a job in the summertime in East Texas setting fence posts in red clay with a post hole digger, not with an auger, with a post hole digger? So you have to dig this hole in this stuff that is just so sticky and so heavy and so difficult. It's the worst thing to make to to dig. Um, post holes in so we're digging you know and it's probably about I don't know it seemed like it was a quarter of a mile long it was probably only a couple of hundred yards um, long but we're we're um, we're digging these post holes and we're setting these posts and it was cedar posts that he had cut somewhere I don't even know where, where he got them from and so you you dig the hole and you put the the uh, the fence post in there and then you fill it back in and then you use this thing called a tamper and it's like a, it's a big steel, you know, uh, cast iron um, thing that you use to just tamp that, that dirt down in there. And so you tamp it down and then you put more dirt in. You tamp it down and you put more dirt in it. And at the end of it, that fence post is supposed to be really solid. So we would like, I would set the fence posts. And, uh, and the first one, first four or five that we did were perfect, like pristine. The next ones were the ones that were the real challenge. You know, and we get to the point where we got this fence post and we put it in there and we do a little bit of tamping and all of that and make sure that it stands up right and then we're moving on to the next one. Well, the first thing he did when he got home from work was came to test our fence posts. And so he put his hand on the first one that we had done and he's trying to move it and it doesn't move. Solid as a rock, you know, feeling pretty good about ourselves. By the time they, we got to the fifth one, he put his hand on the top of the fifth one and he just kind of wobbled it a little bit like that and he knew what the deal was. And so he grabbed it by the top of the fence post and he just did like this, right like that. And the fence post is all laying all sideways like this. And I'm like, why did you want to do that? That's what God does to us, man. That's what He does to us. That's the way that He works. Why? Because He's a good God and, he, and not only that, but the, the things that we're doing are really important. Not for show. Not just for, for face value. But the things that we're doing, He wants them to stand the test of time. And the big old bulls that are going to be running all over them. And the, and the little calves that are going to be bumping into them. He wants them to stand. And the way that He makes sure that they stand is that He lets us know when we have not really deeply gone into what He's trying to do. And we haven't been deeply set yet in those things. So when I'm tested, I see Jesus. 
behind the testing, and I see the Holy Spirit as the way through the test. That's, that's the way that I'm telling you today, that I am doing that. And I'm not a finished product, but I'm on the way. I'm on the journey. So that's, the, that's the, um, the exhortation. And then the promise is just at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Say that with me. Don't give up. Say that again. Don't give up. Right? Amen. Um, one of my favorite uh, guys for a good quote is um, uh, Winston Churchill. And he says, if you're going through hell, keep going. So if you're finding it difficult today, the worst thing that you can do is stop where you are, stay where you are. The best thing you can do is be faithful to what got you there in the first place. See, what happened uh, with England um, going into World War II is that they did everything that they could to avoid conflict, which was a conflict that anybody could have told them was coming. They were hopeful that it wouldn't come, and they tried to avoid it. And Winston Churchill from the early 30s knew who Adolf Hitler was and knew what he was doing and knew what was going to happen, and he was telling them that war was coming and that they had to fight. They were not going to escape this. All that they did to escape it before only delayed the inevitable. And that's why he says, if you're going through hell, don't stop where you are. Don't compromise where you are. Don't quit where you are. Be faithful with what you're doing. Stick with it and go through it. And if there's anything that we know about England in, uh, in 1939 and 1940 and 1941, before America came into the war, is that even if they had been destroyed, they were not going to capitulate. They were not going to give up. And we had seen all these other European countries fold. Those European countries didn't have a Winston Churchill. Those guys didn't have somebody who knew that he was going to die doing this. He was going to either live in a world that, that was going to conquer, or he was going to die trying. That's what he was going to do. Just at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Believers believe in reward. It's not unchristian. It's not selfish. It's not ambitious. It's just simply that we believe that there is a God who rewards those who seek Him. We believe there is a reward. We believe even when it seems to be a thankless test and a thankless job, that there will be a reward for those who diligently seek Him, who put Him first, who stick with it and don't quit and don't give up. This, listen, this is not a motivational speech. This is for every single one of us, rank and file, because every one of you, as I'm looking at your faces, has a different area of your life that you are challenged in, that you feel like you may have come to the end of yourself in, and you need to hear this today. This is not a pep rally. This is not a pump-up session. This is real life, and you need to hear this. You need to hear that there is a reward and there will come a day when you look back on the price that you paid and you will say it is worth it. You will look back on the struggle and you will thank God so much that He sustained you in, your, in, in the moments that you thought you could not go on uh, uh, another uh, moment. 
It's hard to build. It's easy to tear things down. Right? It's easy to get over your debt head in credit. It's amazing how hard it is to save and how quickly it goes away. That's because the good things that we do are most of the time incremental good things. Steady uh, commitment to good things over less good things. A steady, daily, sometimes moment-by-moment commitment. And it's amazing how small it seems that it accumulates and how quickly it goes away if you stop that lifestyle. Right? Everybody? How easy it is to gain weight. How difficult it is, right, to lose weight. For some people, not for everybody, but for some people. How, how easy it is, you know, to, um, uh, to, um, to spend money and how quickly it goes away and how hard it is. How easy it is to, um, to tear something down that you don't, even, you don't even have to understand. It takes no resources to tear things down. It takes no ingenuity, usually, to tear things down. It's just the easiest thing that we can do on the face of the earth. On the contrary, to build something takes resources. It takes ingenuity. It takes effort. It takes, it takes diligence to build. And that's what God is doing. He's building the kingdom of God. If you're waiting for him just to, for it just to miraculously appear from heaven, that's not the way he does things. It's not the way he ever does things. He, I shouldn't say that. God can do anything he wants to do, and sometimes he does. He just doesn't do it very often. The way that he likes to do it is step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept, one act of faithfulness followed by another act of faithfulness strung together in a string of pearls of a beautiful life of faithfulness. And that's what he was looking for to accomplish to build the kingdom of God. And he will build it. And it will be accomplished in your life if you don't fail, if you don't, if you don't give up. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, it says, Do not throw away your confidence, which is great reward. It says this, because you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive that which is promised. Um, this is from Hebrews chapter 10, and the whole, this whole section of Scripture is all about the law of reaping and sowing. And, it, and the Bible plainly tells us fools think that there's no such thing as reaping and sowing. Fools think they can sow one thing and reap something else. Fools think that, um, uh, that, that there is no, uh, that that law does not apply um, to them. But we know, just like we know the law of gravity applies to us, we know that the law of reaping and soaping, sowing is a godly um, uh, law that has been set in motion by God. Can he do it other ways? Sure he can. He doesn't like to. He likes to do it the way he set it up. Can he suspend gravity willy-nilly at any time he wants to? Yeah. He just doesn't like to do that. He likes gravity. He likes the laws that he's set there. He likes for people to honor that and respect that and live according to that. And he likes people to live according to reaping and sowing. And the way that reaping and sowing works is that you sow little things and you reap big things. You sow little things and you reap big things. You don't sow great big things. It's not great acts of courage and great acts of um, valor most of the time. Most of the time, it's just little things. It's just laying down your life. It's saying to your wife 
or, or maybe your husband, like, uh, like in the princess um, bride, you know? It's like saying, as you wish, as a lifestyle. Are you with me? How, I don't know how I wound up there. I'm just saying, it's just, it's just a little thing. It's just a little thing. It's just a moment by moment laying down your life and caring for somebody more than a heroic taking a bullet for somebody. Let me finish with this. Um, this is one of my favorite scriptures. This is one that I committed to, to uh, memory very early on uh, in my walk with the Lord. And I don't preach on it much, uh, but I use it all the time. Um, and this is, um, this is how we handle um, adversity and how we handle the testings of the Lord. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse um, 13. And this is one that's really good to commit to memory because you'll use it, I guarantee you. You'll, you'll wear this one out um, in, your, in your head and in your heart. So I'm just going to read it and then I'll go back and just point out to you what I feel like are the salient points here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Okay, and let me unpack that for you just really quickly, and then we'll close, okay? First of all, it starts with an encouragement. It says the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. Sometimes we think that the things that we're going through are our fault, or we're going through something because God hates us, you know, or we're going through something just because something random happened that escaped God's um, attention and he just wasn't on top of it or something. And something. It's, it's like, no, there's nothing going on in your life. There's no temptation. There's no, there, there's, there's no um, um, desire on your part to do something opposite to what God wants you to do that's not normal for people to do. This is normal. This is normal human behavior, okay? And it says, and, and then the next, next line is, and I want you to repeat this with me, God is faithful. Say it, God is faithful. If there's anything that you should wake up in the morning um, saying and go to bed at night saying, and every time you face something that makes you feel overwhelmed, get that in your spirit, man. God is faithful. Say it with me again. God is faithful. Say it to yourself. God is faithful, okay? And He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Well, hallelujah. Because most of the time we quit because we say, I can't do this. And that's exactly what the Scripture is addressing. Don't quit. Don't, don't make that kind of evil confession. I can't. I'm not saying you can do it. I'm saying that's not a reason to quit. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. But when you are tempted, He will show you a way so that you can endure it. So there's two things that can happen when you find yourself pressed and like your back is to the wall and you're ready to quit and you're ready to give up. Two things are going to happen if you don't quit. Two, one of two things. The first is is that He's going to make you stronger than you thought that you were. And what a treasure that is to learn in the fire. I am stronger than I thought that I was. I've always told myself I can't do this. And I've got a huge track record to prove it. 
And yet, lo and behold, that track record is not the truth, the whole truth. Lo and behold, I am able to do more than I thought that I would. And so many times, this is the way that God is going to meet you right where you are, is that He is going to infuse you with something that is stronger than you ever thought. And what you thought you believed, you come away from it saying, it's a conviction. I can. I have been to the, to the brink and I have seen in myself that that is who I am now. That is who I am. One is, He's going to make you strong. And the second one is the one that we always pray for. God, get me out of this. Sometimes He does. Sometimes He does. And there's been so many things that God has delivered me from in my life by just getting me out of it. Just like, whoop! taking me you know out it's like that's my fault and i should suffer all the consequences and he just beep, grabs me and takes me out and i don't i don't suffer the consequences of the thing but most of the time i don't learn as much from that as i do from being in it and being strengthened and being transformed into his image and forged in the fire and finding gold deep in my heart that i never even knew was there before this is a promise this is something that will keep you, help you to persevere in the times when you think you're at your wit's end and you can't go on and you can't do anything else. Let's, um, let's just go to the Lord for a few minutes here. I'm, we're going to worship uh, for a minute. And uh, I know that the Lord is speaking to our hearts and I know that He wants to draw you to Himself. And wherever you are this morning, just say yes to Jesus. Just wherever you are and, and whatever you're facing, and maybe you came in at the point of collapse um, this morning, first of all, let me just say to you, what a great decision you made. What a, what a great, you did, maybe even in spite of yourself, you made a great decision to be here instead of giving up and quitting, okay? God bless you. God bless you for that. But He doesn't want to leave you there. You might have found, yourselves on the, found yourself on the ropes um, coming in, but you can't win the fight on the ropes. You can cover up. You can rope a dope. You can, you can fend off the enemy, but you can't defeat him on the ropes. You've got to come off the ropes. You've got to stand up and say, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I may not feel it right now. I may not, I may not have any sensations that go along with that, but I know, I know that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him and that God has good things for me. Let's stand together this morning. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Do you want to lead us in a chorus? Yes. Let's sing Christ is Enough. Christ is enough for me.
I want to pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for your word um, to us, Lord, that stands the test of time, Lord, that has endured through the ages. And from generation to generation, Lord, uh, people have built their lives on your word, on your promise, uh, on your commandments. I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, that we have something solid to hang on to today when everything around us seems to be shifting and, and turning and failing, uh, Lord. I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, for perseverance for your people. I pray, Lord, even as we res uh, uh, experience resistance and, uh, and, and, uh, and trials, uh, that you would find us faithful, Lord, that you would give us the gift of perseverance. Uh, Lord, that we would never look back on our lives and say, man, I wish I'd have stuck with it just a little bit longer. Or, man, I wish I had not gotten discouraged and quit. Oh, God, give us perseverance that doesn't disappoint. Give us perseverance in our faith. Give us perseverance in hope, a hope that doesn't pass away. Give us perseverance in love, Lord, a love that doesn't seek its own. It's not always looking for a reward. But the reward itself is love, is the fact that we get to participate in such a great love for the unlovely and for those that don't deserve it, just like we don't, Lord. Oh, God, give us perseverance. I pray today for uh, marriages, Lord, and especially for those, Lord, that have gone through some tough times and, uh, and have found it uh, uh, really difficult, Lord. Oh, God, will you just, Lord, reach down right now and give them a little bit of hope, give them a little bit of joy, Lord. Lord, maybe it's just to remind them, Lord, of, of who you are and who they are in you. Just a little bit of patience, God, a little bit of forgiveness. Oh, God, just, just pour um, uh, reconciliation uh, on our relationships, Lord. And I pray for parents today, Lord, especially those, Lord, who uh, feel like they're uh, fighting a thankless battle. Uh, God, in Jesus' name, I just pray that you would give them some backbone, that they wouldn't quit and they wouldn't give up, Lord. That maybe they are the last ones holding the line, Lord, uh, on a situation. And that their children, um, you tell us in your word, your children will rise up and call you blessed. And God, I pray for them to be able to see that day, that there will be a day when there will be a reward. And that their ch the children themselves that they may be struggling with right now, Lord, uh, will look back on these days and say, thank you, Mom so much for not quitting. Thank you, Dad, for not giving up. Thank you for not doing what I wanted to do, but to do what was the right thing to do. And thank you for teaching me to behave, to behave myself so that as, as I grow up and as I, as, as I live my life financially and socially and, and spiritually, that I will know how to behave. It will be a part of me that I can readily access and draw upon throughout my life. And finally, Lord, I just pray for our body. Lord, I just thank you for who we are and where we are right now, Lord. Oh, but God, we hunger and thirst for so much more. We hunger and thirst, Lord Jesus, to touch more lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to do more meaningful work in this community, Lord, uh, and in your kingdom. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, today that you would not just take it easy on us, Lord Jesus, but, uh, but ask more of us, Lord. Draw us up, Lord, to a higher place. Set our feet on higher ground, Lord Jesus, that we might walk with you, that we might fellowship with you, 
and that we might rejoice in a great, great harvest that you have planned, Lord, and that we would have a part in that, Lord, and come with great rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, and you're dismissed this morning.